This is Performance Delivered, insider secrets for digital marketing success with Stefan Horst and Dave Antiel. Welcome to the Performance Delivered, insider secrets for digital marketing success podcast, where we talk with marketing and agency executives and learn how they build successful businesses and their personal brand. I'm your host, Stefan Horst. The topic for today's episode is account-based marketing. Here to speak with me is Carol Everson who is a partner and CMO at Chief Outsider, the leading fractional CMO firm that helps CEOs accelerate growth through development and disciplined execution of well-crafted growth plans. Cal is a high-impact marketing leader who defines and executes strategies for companies navigating transformation and seeking to grow. She is adept at building and executing marketing strategies and tactics to secure new customers, expand revenues from existing customers, and create new markets for growth. Carol, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Stephen. It's great to be here. Thank you. Now, Carol, before we start talking about account-based marketing, I'd um, love to learn a little bit more about you. Tell our listeners about how you got started in your career and what led you to become or to work at Chief Outsider. Well, I, it's interesting. I started my career in sales, believe it or not. I was in sales for five years in the industrial sector. So I was selling to corporations, working for AT&T. And um, I spent my formative years at AT&T, MasterCard, LexisNexis, all big companies, big jobs, large teams, big budgets, and learning how to do things really, really well. Um, I proactively shifted from that in around 2012 to a small mid-market. I had a pre-revenue stint and um, you know, really did a big push in digital. In fact, in one role, I was running marketing for lawyers.com and for other law firm marketing solutions. That was my first digital job. And I basically went from, you know, kindergarten to grad school in digital in two years in that role because we were using digital marketing to market digital marketing solutions that we were delivering for clients. I, I think since then, you know, I've, I moved from a variety of industries and mostly in media, marketing solutions, marketing services, digital marketing solutions. And ultimately, made the shift and the pivot to consulting. I was a single consultant for about six months. It was so lonely. <laughs> I, I really hated being a, a solo consultant and ran into Chief Outsiders. And it's been great since then because there are 120 of us from all different industries. And it's just um, really exciting to work with a group of pros that are just so good as, as the folks at Chief Outsiders from you know consumer to B2B. If there's an industry, we have at least a couple of people that have worked in it and just so many people to learn from. Interesting. Now, today we want to talk about account-based marketing or ABM. Let's start off with what is account-based marketing? I love talking about this because it's interesting. The, um, the two of us are working on an ebook on this topic. And actually, one of the things that we've been talking about is the fact that so many vendors of technology services define account-based marketing or ABX, account-based everything, in the terms that their solution delivers. So they tend, if you talk to different companies, they'll define ABM a different way based on their technology and their service. So really, you have to take a step back and boil it down. And really, it's about targeting specific accounts or groups of accounts. I think we've all heard one-to-one, one-to-few, one-to-many. We've all heard that you can do account-based land or expand. So that's all true. And I, I think the key is to just take a step back and say, what am I trying to accomplish? I'm trying to increase revenues from large accounts. 
or target accounts. I'm trying to be more efficient and I'm trying to make sure that our business is delivering, that the marketing department is delivering what the business needs in terms of the business strategy. So if you look at it that way, it's just simply smart marketing against very specific groups of accounts. So it's basically a company sitting down and saying, okay, what are the companies that we want to work with in in the future? And, And they create, I don't know, the top 100, top 200, you know, target account lists. And, and that's basically what the marketing department will target, will, will work on. Yes, that's true. And, and I think the other aspect of it is it's not just the marketing department. Even though we say we call it account-based marketing, I think that's why there's been a pivot toward calling it account-based everything. But mm-hmm. it's really about getting all the different functions of the organization together to jointly go after a group of accounts. And it can be, you know, for a large company, it could be a few thousand clients that you're trying to target. Or it can be 10. When I worked at MasterCard, there were only 72 banks that mattered. And, you know, the sales could be a billion-dollar sale. So you're going to work together as a team for two years to win that debit portfolio from Bank of America or whichever bank it is that, that, that a company like MasterCard or Visa is going after. Because you have to, like that, that's how the company survives. Yeah. And I think another point that, that I think is really important is that you are able to target, depending on also what, what solution you're using, individuals or individual groups within that organization that is on your target list. And if you're doing a job right, you have different messages for the people of different departments. You might have to engage with procurement because they make the final decision, but then you have the people that actually are using your solution. So your message to them will be different than to the procurement team. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Knowing the buying committee is is one of the key aspects of um, ABM. And by the way, that's why sales and marketing have to work together on this mm-hmm. very, very, very tightly. Because you're dealing with the buying committee. I remember working on a project once with a to-be-named bank when I was uh, at uh, H&W, which offered a distributed marketing automation platform for the financial services market. And um, we had 22 people on the buying committee. When you have 22 people on the buying committee, you know they're all coming at it from different perspectives. Everybody has the role that they're playing. There, there actually were 18, but because their sales cycle was six months long, a couple of the positions actually turned over. So I had to deal with 22 people uh, after some of the turnovers. But procurement had thoughts, legal had thoughts, IT had thoughts, security had thoughts, sales had thoughts, corporate marketing cared about certain things, you know, field marketing cared about different things. And as you lined up all those players, everybody had veto power. So you have to understand what each player in the buying committee is looking for and make sure you're proactively getting in front of them and not just waiting until they have an objection. Yeah, yeah. You talked about sales and marketing uh, alignment. Now, in general, it is really important that sales and marketing are aligned when it comes to you know generating leads uh, for, for a business, for example. Why is it important to execute ABM to be coordinated between those two disciplines? Is there anything in addition to to the normal thoughts on why sales and marketing have to be aligned? Well, I, I think the only thing is, is it's like a dance. You, you you have to orchestrate the the show that you're producing because there are so many players and they all have different perspectives. And one salesperson 
is going to really struggle to hit all those players and get proactively in front of them, maybe not even know who all the players are that are going to be involved. So marketing can provide some of that air cover to the different personas and really focus on, you know, helping the personas have some awareness of the brand, have, you know, a positive perception. For example, if you're doing content marketing, you might do a piece about, um, I'm going to try and think of a, of a, just a theoretical example, content marketing platforms and security and data privacy. And, and you're trying to target in that scenario, you would be targeting the roles of data privacy, IT, security, InfoSec, so that those players all take a look at your materials well in advance, potentially, of when it's time for them to weigh in and make a decision about whether or not they're they're in line with, you know, the proposal that's on the table. You want to preempt that. You don't want to be defensively answering objections after the fact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I also think that it's that's important for, for the alignment, for the coordination, is to share feedback from the sales side because, you know, the marketing side can create content. And even if sales says, you know what, we need this kind of content to inform or educate the target audience, we still don't know, we, marketing, still doesn't know whether the content resonated well, right? Or if we need to adjust something, did the messaging in the first place, you know, hit home? Did the content and then was shared, whether it's a white paper or or some 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 other information, an ebook, for example, help to move people from kind of the awareness stage to uh, consideration stage to kind of the action stage. Would you agree with that? I would agree. I'd, I'd take it even a step further. And I would say that where it has been most successful for me and where I have seen uh, the best results, not only did we get the feedback from sales, but I, I would, for example, pull in a panel of the best salespeople in an enterprise sales organization, lay out a plan and let them know what we're thinking about and, and get their feedback and also find the holes. What are we missing? What else do we need that we haven't thought of? And um, so, so it's, it's not just like feedback after the fact, but it's input at the, at the front end. Yeah, that makes sense. Why, Carol, why would a company actually create an ABM program? I mean, there's, being a little bit cynical here, but there are digital marketing solutions out there that allow me to target really well. Why do I need to create a list of X amount of companies that I want to engage with and I want to want to to have as customers in 2023, for example? That that one's easy. It, it's all dependent upon the business goals. Everything that, that I do, especially when it comes to ABM, is what are we trying to accomplish as a business? And therefore, do we or don't we need or want account-based marketing? Um, there, there's a little more that I'll talk about in a moment about you know, sales complexity versus go-to-market maturity. But, you know, as a starting point, the, the key question is, what are the goals of the business and what's the role marketing can play? Example, you know, maybe digital performance is declining. Sometimes over time, paid search might decline. Maybe you've historically had, um, you know, really strong reliance on review sites like G2, Crowd, and um, Captera and some of the others, and you're seeing that your costs are going up and up and up as more people are bidding on it and you're struggling to get an ROI. Or maybe your company is having a struggle with uh, your annual recurring revenue. For example, I, I have seen in some companies the the leads that come in from paid search sometimes are not as high value 
as the leads that come through a longer stream of nurturing that includes paid search, but also includes touches like content syndication, et cetera, and could pull in, um, you know, the different roles from an, from an ABM perspective. So maybe what you're trying to do is just drive up your uh, annual recurring revenue. You know, you might also have a, you know, a, and this is a big one, a complex buying cycle. So perhaps one of the goals of the business is to increase velocity. Uh, because if I can increase sales velocity, we can close more deals, close them faster. You can get more productivity out of not just marketing, but out of your sales organization. You know, or you might even find a situation where, and I've seen this, where the lower end of the market's been penetrated. So all of the easier sales have been, you know, they've, they've been brought in and, and the market share is high in that low end of the market. And the company needs to go to the next level and take it up to the next level of, of company. And, and that's going to be a different sales cycle. So they need to look at account-based marketing. So those and other business reasons are why you would take a step back and say, okay, we need to look at this differently than what we've done in the past. Mm -hmm. Now, before talking about why or how a company should decide what type of ABM program is best for them, what type of ABM programs exist? Can you talk about that, please? Yeah, I I know we talked about one-to-one, one-to-few, one-to-many, but um, I, I've been working, as I mentioned earlier, with, with um, one of my peers at Chief Outsiders, and we're looking at it as, you know, kind of a two-by-two two matrix where you have go-to-market maturity of the, of the marketing team on one side and, you know, the solution value and the complexity on the other side. And we've basically broken it up into... Um, you know, high-touch account-centric, high-touch high-tech account-centric, uh, high-tech scaled ABM, and then no ABM at all. And and again, it's all based on, you know, if you have a very immature marketing organization from a tech perspective, uh, you know, it's very limited and reactive, and you have very low dollar values, high, high volume of prospects, short contracts, one or two decision makers, there's no real reason to execute ABM. On the flip side, if you have the same small dollar value deals, high prospect volume, short contracts, one or two decision makers, but a very mature tech savvy marketing team, there are many, many ways you can leverage technology very effectively across the digital channels to uh, enable a, a highly effective one-to-many type of ABM program. And I'll, I'll throw in another one, one that I've personally been engaged in deeply is high-touch account-centric. When you don't necessarily leverage technology as much as you're leveraging the building of relationships uh, on a more in-depth level, and I'll go back to what I was mentioning earlier with MasterCard, when you have a billion-dollar deal on the table, you're going to have custom webinars, custom landing pages, uh, very intense digital campaigns around those, but you're also going to have, you know, events, maybe custom events, uh, custom dinners, and you're going to be back and forth with the sales organization trying to orchestrate the best possible way to get in front of all of the buyers in the buying committee. Um, so to me, that's high touch account centric, but without throwing in the tech, which is the last segment. There are a number of platforms out there that can be used for account-based marketing. LinkedIn, in, in a very normal form, is, is, is a good tool where you could do that. You can find the companies that you have on your target list. You can find the decision makers and you can 
run your ad campaign on that. So that definitely is, is a channel that can do that. Then there are companies like Sixth Sense, Demand-Based, um, mm-hmm. Terms, etc. What are the differences between those platforms? And when, when a company starts to embark on the ABM journey, is it better to start off with, with a system that has potentially less features, but is easier to use compared to using something that has lots of bells and whistles, but it, it might complicate the process of setting things up and running it? I totally agree with Crawl, Walk, Run in this. And you know, when I think about the approach that you would take to launch, a, it's a couple of things. One is Crawl, Rock, Run, Walk, Run. And the other is, where's the sales team? Where's their mind? Where, where's, where's their level of sophistication? Um, because you, you need to, to, to function with both. So I would agree. I think the tech that you can use can be overwhelming, or you can use pieces of technology and put them together in a way that makes sense. So for example, you can use intent tools to really understand which companies are at what stage in the buying process. And they go to a tool like a Zoom info or whatever to get contact information or even LinkedIn to get contact information at the account level and, and target them. Or you can go with Sense and you can build a model on your website and you can take it to the nth degree and really get the maximum value. And I'm picking Sense, but I'm not saying them. Any of the attempt-based platforms, you can take it to the extent that you're pulling everything you can out of that. And that's that's a good round two you know, or three, but it, it, it's not necessary for a round one. Again, I think if you start with what am I trying to accomplish? Not what's the tech, but what am I trying to accomplish? I have these buyers. I have these messages I need to communicate to these buyers. I need to find these types of personas within these companies and I need to get the message to them. And I want to do it in a way that it's surrounding the buying committee prior to sales trying to push through a sale. Uh, and I'm, I'm interacting with sales and going back and forth, handing them, you know, different contacts within the company. All of that should drive what your technology decision is, not, you know, not what's the platform. People get hung up on the platform because platform providers spend a lot of time telling you how to do ABM on their platform. And don't start there. Start with what are you trying to accomplish and then look for the tools that let you accomplish what you're trying to accomplish. Great point. When you when you run your ABM program, like any any marketing program, you invest money, which means you need to measure what the investment yields. What do you measure or how do you measure results of an ABM program? Because thinking about it, it's literally media activities across the entire funnel, right? You will have awareness activities, you will have consideration activities, and you will also have actions, the lower funnel activities. How do you, how do you measure across the funnel and, and, and make sure that the program works and that you also can fine-tune the program to maximize your return on advertising spend? So I always start with booked revenue and work my way back um, because to me, the most important thing that you ultimately have to show is that you delivered revenue in partnership with sales. So start there and then then kind of work your way backwards. And from my perspective, it's pretty straightforward. You will need to look at things. And, and there are certain things that aren't part of the conversion funnel, but are really important. Sales velocity. You can track that in Salesforce uh, or whatever CRM system that you have or sales support system that you have. So 
track sales velocity improvement. That's a big one for enterprise sales. Win rate, big one for enterprise sales. Deal size um, on expansion, you want to look at your net retention rate. So any of those end game metrics are really key. But now when you take a step back up, you're going to look at engagement and try and get a sense of engagement. Maybe you have a scoring model on engagement that tells you this many things that happen equals engagement, this many contacts per account that are downloading material, et cetera, equals a measure of engagement. Every company is different, but you would want to make sure that you're looking at your engagement metrics. And then up above that, at the top of the funnel, is really your basic core metrics by channel. That's that's how I look at it. Um, I'm sure others might look at it a little bit differently, but I've always found that that reverse thought process gets me connected directly to what at the end of the day is what we care about, which is the book's revenues. Now, a second ago, we talked about some of the platforms that can be used for ABM. What other types of technologies support ABM or? Well, I would, I would say a couple. One, intent tools, obviously. We, we talked about that a moment ago. I just think they're key. And there are many different platforms out there. Some are for really large companies and there are others that are intended for small and mid-sized companies. Um, I just saw one scenario, which is for streaming services, which is account-based advertising with Mountain. And there are companies like Mountain that are uh, beginning to allow you to do you know, advertising with account-based lists and with roles. Um, granted, you're advertising into the household as opposed to at the individual level, but nonetheless, it's delivery in the household. Content marketing, I think, is a good one. Content marketing is more for um, just nurturing people through the process more so than it's not the equivalent of, say, paid search, which is going to give you people that are ready to buy now, potentially. Um, but it, but it's good for hitting that surround sound and getting all of those, you know, supporting decision makers within the process. And then there are, you know, standalone ABAN platforms like DemandBase that give you account intelligence. They'll include intent data. They're going to give you some support with identifying the personas in the company and getting to individuals. And they'll also offer engagement and personalization support. Personalization is pretty key. And especially when you're doing more of a one-to-few, one-to-many type of thing, it's really key to have a platform that can help you do that. Then, of course, you've got events, webinars on 24, Zoom, et cetera, and gifting platforms like Sendoso and Alice. And finally, you know, companies that do web personalization, such as Drift and, and custom landing pages. So that, to me, is the, the list of tools that typically we look at and, and you wouldn't Again, to your point earlier, you wouldn't jump in with all of those. You would pick the ones that are going to help deliver against the business challenge that you're trying to tackle. That's still a wide list or a big list to to choose from at the end of the day, even if you just decide to go with one, right? Right, right. Exactly. (laughs) And again, Um, it depends on your challenge. Is your challenge identifying prospects that are accounts that have a shot at being successful? Then I'd say, by all means, go with intent. Is your challenge, um, I need to hit this big broad list of, of decision makers because this is a very distributed decision. Then you're going to look more at things like, you know, the, the advertising that you can do as well as content marketing. And then there's one I didn't even really talk about and should have, which is trigger based marketing can be really, really key. And by that, what I mean is if you have 
a, an ability to identify what causes your company to win when you're in the middle of a sales cycle. So for example, if, if I know that when there's an IPO, my company sells successfully like to, to companies that are going through an IPO, then any tools that I can identify that tell me quickly, this is the list of companies going through an IPO next month. I will, especially if they happen to be on my target list or I get, I get immediate information about an IPO activity that happens, then I'm going to be able to get to that target account faster than someone that maybe didn't realize it happened and they wait and read it in a journal or something like that. And that's probably a bad example, but if you can think through like what is it that causes my company to win, what scenario, what situation, what is happening with my clients that causes my company to win and automate a feed on that, then you're going to be in a position to hit the, the companies within your target list that are the highest priority not just because they're searching on the website, which is great from an intent perspective, but because a real um, impactful situation has happened that sets me up to be able to, to, to win. Yeah. Kelly, before we come to the end of today's podcast episode, can you share an example of a successful ABM program? Sure. I, I could talk about a couple. One is an, a couple of kind of like back to the idea of crawl, walk, run. A couple of these are really simplistic, but they were highly impactful. Uh, when I was working at LexisNexis, we were selling law firm marketing solutions to small law. And there was a major litigation firm that we really wanted badly. It was on Long Island in New York. And um, they, they were very successful and they had big budgets and they weren't spending any money with us. And we kept trying to get to them. Sales kept trying and trying and trying and just could not get these people to pay attention to us. It was two brothers. So we did very basic research. We we looked on Facebook. We researched these people. We found out, and frankly, one of the guys on my team did all this. I shouldn't take credit for it. He's amazing. Found out that um, they were really huge New York Rangers fans. So we put together a package. We got Bender and Bender, so I just gave their name, uh, jerseys on, um, you know, hockey jerseys for them and put those into a box with tickets to a game. And we had someone actually physically deliver it because we didn't want this to just go off and sit on an admin's desk. And so they waited for them to come in in the morning, handed them the box, told them who they were, said, we hope you enjoy it. We'd love to meet with you at some point, but just we've been following you and we're, we're really interested in what you do. And we ended up with a $600,000 sale. So to me, and that was because we were very focused on who they are. Very low tech, very, very low tech. You know, at another example of working at MasterCard, we had a very large client that had a very large airline card portfolio, and they were really concerned about the point balances and the financial implications of those point balances. So we built an entire story for them about a day in the life of one of their card holders and took them through this entire visual visualization of exactly what happens there. We did research. We really understood their target market and walked them right through everything that, that could happen. And, and needless to say, it went really, really well. So those are low-tech ways. And then there are others like content syndication. I won't get into the details, but I've used companies like, like Netline very successfully to surround sound the buying committee with different content assets for different players to get them to the point that, that they're, part of, they're, they're on board when, when the deal comes to them. 
some really great examples. It's interesting because I sometimes have conversations with with individuals in a in a B two B space, and it's like, well, you know, our target market is so small, I can literally call them up, so I don't need to do advertising or I don't need to do ABM in this case, right? And I was like, well, yes, but you know what what the advertising the ABM part does? It's warming up your prospects, it's introducing them to yep. your company to what you're doing. Um, you are just one person of many. If you call them, even if you leave a voice message, you're just one of many that calls the same person. But if you are able to to what you did, for example, with the um, with the jerseys, right? That's something so personalized that immediately sticks with that person, and then they're much more. Uh, inclined to to accepting a phone call, accepting a meeting, than if you're just one of many that leaves a voice message, for example. Absolutely. And the other thing is, who's to say that you're leaving the voice message with the the, the real buyer? Sure. You know, there there are different buyers. There's the functional buyer. There's the economic buyer. You don't know who's the real decision maker until you're deep into that conversation. It could yeah. be who you think it is, and maybe not. If you're surrounding all of the potential buyers in the different roles with messages that matter to them, you're setting the stage up for that company to be primed for your conversation and for even if the the buyer, the end buyer, the final user that's the buyer or the approver uh, doesn't hear from you, you might find other partners or other players in that ecosystem um, encouraging them to talk to you. Yeah. So it, it when it's a high ticket item and you've got the tech savviness to be able to put a program in place, it, it'd be silly not to from a digital perspective, for sure. Yeah. When you say high ticket item, is there is there an amount where you say, you know what, if if just making this up, if your lifetime value or your client's lifetime value of the of the service or the product is plus ten thousand dollars, that's definitely worth it, or is is it hard to kind of throw a number out there? It's a little hard. I've tended to look more in the eighty to one hundred thousand is when you would go with more of a program that that I would consider high value with a lot of personalization uh, and a lot of you know surrounding the decision the buying committee. But it doesn't mean that that there isn't a really great low dollar value five ten thousand dollar contract value opportunity for a target list using a one-to-many type of campaign yeah. for sure yeah perfect carol thank you so much for joining me on the performance of our podcast and sharing your knowledge on account-based marketing uh, i really enjoyed our conversation how can people get in touch if they want to learn more about you and or chief outsider well um chief outsiders is chiefoutsiders.com and we have all of our profiles there and just really quickly my number is 908-419-7622 and my email is C Everson with all E's, no O. So C E V E R S E N at chiefhealthhires.com. Well, and we leave that information in the show notes as well. Thanks everyone for listening. If you like the performance of our podcast, please subscribe to us and leave us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast application. If you want to find out more about Symphonic Digital, you can visit us at symphonicdigital.com or follow us on Twitter at symphonichq. Thanks again and see you next time. Performance Delivered is sponsored by Symphonic Digital. Discover audience-focused and data-driven digital marketing solutions for small and medium businesses at symphonicdigital.com.